Amen. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? Who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It seems to me that... uh, The past few weeks have been difficult ones for our village. Uh, We've seen lots of people who have been sick with COVID. We've seen people hospitalized for various things. Uh, We have had uh, loved ones who have died uh, among our community of faith. And there are, of course, all the anxieties and and all of the unknowns in uh, our country, in our world, and all that feels so stirred up right now among the people. Uh, There's even, you know, even in the midst of people beginning to get the vaccine, now there's this, well, what's going to happen two weeks or four weeks from now? Will there be vaccines available? And I say just get the shots and don't worry. But there are all these things Uh, that press in upon us and make this such a very difficult time. And uh, I'm sure in lots of people provoke anxieties and fears and frustrations and angers. And when you stop and look at this book of Isaiah, in the words of Isaiah, you know, these are the very same sorts of feelings that those ancient peoples would have been experiencing. They were going through very difficult times. They had been conquered. They had been carted off to a foreign land to live. Uh, they didn't know uh, what the future held for them. They didn't know how they would get out of it and get back home. There were all these anxieties and fears and downright despair that these people were facing in the time of Isaiah. And of course, there are these age-old questions about why it is bad things happen to good people, to God's people. Why do difficult times come to 
the people of God. I mean, uh, uh, shouldn't believing God just take us out of all those kinds of things? And, and it never has, probably won't for a while. And finding our way through those questions about why difficult times come, I think is a very important question to raise. You know, some people want to simplify it and say, well, it's God's punishment. Difficult times come, bad things happen to people because God is punishing. Well, that goes against the nature of God that we know in Jesus Christ. Who did Jesus punish? Jesus was compassionate and merciful and loving and healing. And not only that, but listen, for those of us who are Christians... Think about what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus took our punishment. So it just doesn't make sense that now uh, Jesus would have died and been resurrected, but God's going to still punish us even though God's forgiven us. Punishment is not really the answer to why bad things happen and difficult times come. I mean, after all, uh, we're all uh, doing things we shouldn't do in small ways, and we would just be punished all the time, but that's not who our God is. So then we have to turn to this thing about human nature and our human free will. You know, God gives us this ability to choose And a lot of times we choose things that lead to bad outcomes, right? Um, uh, uh, Actions have consequences. Think of it this way. If I uh, decided that I was never going to brush my teeth and I was never going to go to the dentist, sooner or later my teeth are going to rot in my mouth and fall out. Now, the last thing I should be saying at at that point is, why is God doing this to me? I did it to myself because God said, I gave you a toothbrush, I gave you toothpaste, I gave you a dentist. Yes, God even gave us dentists. And we said no. So we sometimes bring difficulties upon ourselves. And sometimes good people doing the right thing are harmed by the actions of others. It's, it's just the way things are. I remember some years ago, there was a clergy couple in Texas who had a son who was a police officer. And one night, the police officer was uh, on duty, and a woman had stopped on the highway and pulled off on the shoulder with car trouble. And so the police officer uh, parked behind her on the shoulder of the road to uh, offer assistance, which is what he is supposed to do. And a drunk driver came roaring down the on-ramp, slammed into the back of that police car, and killed the officer. I mean, there was nothing he was doing but good. He was doing nothing but assisting and exactly what he should have been doing, and instead someone who, who made bad choices took his life. It was a tragic, horrible situation. But sometimes you can be doing all the right things, 
and the actions of another will still bring harm or difficulties. And then on top of that, we should never forget that we live in a material, physical world that is not yet the new creation. This is not the fullness of what God intends for us. This is a world in which brokenness is still very real. When was the last time you bought something and it lasted forever? I mean, everything we, everything we own, everything we buy is sooner or later going to break down and cause us frustrations and often at the very worst possible time. And every living thing is subject to death. That is still the way of this broken world. There is still... Uh, so many, there are still so many things like tornadoes and hurricanes that cause death and destruction, but the promises are in God's time, in the new creation, these things shall be no more. You see, when we get too caught up in this physical, material world, it can drag us down. It can cause despair, which is uh, the flip side of hope. It can cause us fear, anxiety, frustration, anger, and it, it makes us feel like we can't do anything to fix it. And of course, the truth is you and I, we human beings, cannot of our own power fix this broken world. It's why we need God, why we need Jesus Christ. Every time we try and make this world be what we want it to be, it's not going to work. It's going to lead us down a road toward despair. But you see, God is at work. God is not subject to the decay and destruction of this material world. God is the one who created this world. God is the one who is saving this world. God is the one in whom we must hope. And I think that Isaiah does a great job of pointing us toward hope. And we know that, that the, great, the great spiritual people of all times are people who are rooted and grounded in God and God's hope. I mean, think about Mother Teresa. Think about Nelson Mandela. Think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That, that every time they look at a world that is in horrible shape, they know that their strength and their hope lies in the living God. That's why we remember these folks, because they know who God is and they hold on to that. Now, I think in many ways that it is a whole lot harder to figure out how to practice hope than it is how to be grateful. I mean, last year, it was pretty easy to say, okay, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to think of the things I'm grateful for. I'm going to tell people I'm grateful. But hope... 
is a bit harder to get our, our heads around and to live a life that is hopeful. And this text in Isaiah gives us two things that he told them to do way back in the ancient world and still tells us today that we should do if we want to be hopeful people. If we want to stay strong in the midst of this world, here are two things that will help us do that. Now, the first one is, you know, uh, this text in Isaiah says that those who wait on the Lord, there's this idea here of waiting, not trying to take things into our own hands, get them done, fix it, but, but opening ourselves to the Lord. And this word wait in Hebrew can also be translated as hope, those who hope in the Lord. But what's really interesting there in that word, to wait, to hope, is in the Hebrew language, it evokes the image of a cord, a cord that is pulled tight with some tension on it. And if you think about that cord, you can think of it as God's got one end of it, and we're holding on to the other end. And as long as God, however far in front of us, whether we can see God at this moment or not, God's got us on this tether. And as long as we hold to it, we will be taken down the road in a way on the path that leads to life. And so our, our calling, our, our, our task is to make sure we are holding on to that tether. And to do that, what do we do? Well, we live lives of prayer. We live lives of worship. We live lives of scripture. We turn our human actions in ways that allow us to hold on to God, to know that whatever we're facing, God is guiding us through, that that cord will not be broken and that God will never let go of it. It reminds me of a mountain climber who's got someone holding on to the rope as they're climbing because with that hand on the rope like that, they cannot fall. They will not come to harm. They will be okay. And this idea to hold on to that tether and God will lead us is a practice of hope. Now, there's a second thing that Isaiah points toward, and I know this is something we all know and realize. Especially in the wintertime, we have a tendency to lock ourselves up inside the house. And Isaiah says to us, go outside Look at the sun and the moon and the stars. Look at the trees. Look at the lake. Look at the river. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Look at all that our God has created. See the hand of God in our midst. There is something 
about this created world that we know God has created that lifts us and gives us hope. You know, many, many, 30 years ago, uh, I went on an outward bound alpine mountaineering course. And trust me, I have erased the memory of most of those two weeks from my brain. But there we would be on a trail in the high country with a heavy pack on our back, walking another three miles or whatever, single file along this trail. And after a while, you get so tired and discouraged that you're just like looking at the trail and just walking along and trying to keep going. And inevitably, right about that time, one of the guides one of the leaders of the course would yell out, look up, look up, see what's around you. And once we would look up and we would see this magnificent landscape, these mountains and valleys, we would be renewed. We would have new energy and new strength to keep going. There is something about seeing the handiwork of God that lifts you, that buoys you, that keeps you going. You know, are you feeling kind of anxious? Look up. Are you feeling a bit in despair? Look up. People of God, look up. See the handiwork of our God. Our God is the everlasting God. Our God is the creator of the universe. Our God is the savior of the world. This is where our hope lies. We tether ourselves to the living God. Hebrews says that that hope is an anchor to God. God's promises are true and faithful. We tether ourselves to God's good future. And people of God, we look up. We do not despair. We see the hand of God in the world And we know that God will lead us to the promised land. These are the practices of hopeful people. We know deep within our spirits that this material world is not the whole, but that God is where we hope that God will see us through, that God is the everlasting God, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, and it gives us lasting hope. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.